Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Okay, that's enough fun. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It is, you know, since we've been coming out of uh, this prolonged, uh, wonderful journey with COVID, uh, it seems that, you know, you never know what to expect from week to week, but uh, we've been so blessed over the last uh, several years, obviously, to not feel its hard impact um, within the church walls. Um, we've had extended family, but this last few weeks, we really it's really hit us within the four walls. So just continue to pray. Believe me, if anyone is sick, there's a reason they're not here. Uh, and I encourage people, if, if you don't even think you feel good, uh, it's not an excuse. Um, if you don't feel good, just stay home. We stream. Don't come by faith and get me sick. Somebody say amen. So, <laughs> yes. So, and, and it's not, I'm not trying to be sarcastic when I say that. It's just wisdom. So, um, I'd, I'd much rather uh, you stream and get your strength back and all the things that are necessary, even if it's the common cold. Um, so, I, I just uh, encourage you to do that. But I'm blessed that you're here. Uh, there's something about getting together corporately as the church. We thank God for streaming, but that's just a secondary connection. Uh, this is primary. This is what heaven's going to be like, us together. Nobody's streaming heaven. Okay? If you're streaming heaven, you're in trouble. Amen? Praise the Lord. I, I saw this last week. Uh, and listen, I'm not against technology. A lot of churches do this now, but there's something called virtual church. And when we think virtual church, we, we maybe think just church online like this. But uh, if you're a gamer at all, th there's really a virtual community, a virtual church that you can build. You can build your own animated self and go to a virtual church service. And they say they're doing this because people become less inhibited in a virtual setting than they would. So they might go to church corporately, but when they go virtually, that's when they really raise their hand. And I'm thinking, wow, um, you know, I know I'm old, but I'm never going to catch up with that because I don't, I don't want there to be a virtual relationship, and there's not a virtual heaven, you know. I, I want us to be able to get together and experience the power and the presence of God together, amen? So thank you again for being here. Let me ask you a question. We're starting a series today on the book of Acts, and... I want to focus just for a few minutes today on the fact that God is still at work. But have you ever been in a restaurant or maybe a business and the structure's there, everything's functional, you know, they got a board of directors or they've got a full kitchen staff, whatever the scenario is, the problem is when you walk in, there's no food. Or when you go to the business, and I've even experienced this here recently, you go to the store looking for something, and they're like, well, no, we don't have it here. You have to order that online. Well, why did I come here, right? Well, we know the world is changing. Uh, you can get a whole lot accomplished online, nothing wrong with that. But the reality is I'm talking today from a perspective in the book of Acts that we have to understand we have never meant, it was never meant for the church to be an institution but a movement. The church, although we have four walls, was never meant to be limited to the four walls. The church, although we use structures, was never meant to be only about structures. <laughs> because throughout history, and I'm not going to bore you with the history of, of the last 2,000 years of the church, but you can see throughout history, Whenever the church lost its way is when it became institutional. Whenever the church 
began to lose what God was calling us to do and to be, it was because we became very, we became very structural, uh, politically uh, involved, and we found ourselves demanding the need for institutionalism. Uh, a few years ago, if you were institutionalized, that was not a good thing. Okay? Um, and the same exists today. We are not meant to be an institution. God's called us to be a movement. Why? Because God is still at work. And I want us to look at this for a few moments because understanding that we are a movement, I'm not trying to break that down because it's going to look differently, a little bit differently for all of us. Because it's not so much a move of God in the four walls of the church. I was raised in a strong Pentecostal background. And when people define their experience with God and when people define their experience with church, it, it was defined by an experience in the four walls of a building on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And it was defined by what happened during the singing or what happened at the altar. And all those are vital, all those are important, and all those are very real experiences. The problem is if, if it doesn't bleed into your life, outside the four walls, then this is just a holy huddle waiting to get to heaven. I don't read that in Acts anywhere. Um, as a matter of fact, let's just, let's just start off in, in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and they're up there, but I'm not going to read all the way through those initially, but here's what it starts off by saying. In the first book, so let's stop right there. What does he mean by in the first book? Well, first of all, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. All right, now today's very foundational. But Luke is the author of the book of Acts. But he's also the author of the book of Luke. And if you take Luke and Acts and put those together, put those together and, and a lot of theologians wish they would just be wired together because it's a common, it's a common thread of what Jesus was doing and teaching and then after his ascension, what he expected us to be doing and teaching. So it, it's, hence the, the name Acts, right? This is the church in action, or what we should acts like. It's not proper English, I realize that, but I thought it would be more funny than that. But anyway, it's how we should act, how we should be living, how we should be responding to the call in our lives. All right? So he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Luke was written dealing with everything D Jesus did and all that he taught. Why? Because Luke was right there with him. Luke was with Jesus. He saw him do it. He saw him live it out. He saw him teach it. He saw him do it. Uh, so uh, this is not even a point, but I, I just want to encourage you, believe this. That's what Luke is saying. Luke is a Gentile. And he's writing, the book of Luke is written to the Gentile reader, okay? Not to convince Rome that Jesus was saved, some would say that, but to, to convince Theophilus and those he was writing to, those that would read this from a Greek perspective would understand that everything they have been seeing and everything they've been hearing about this Jesus is very true. And really, before we go on, you've got to believe that. Before we go any further, I mean, I, I, can, I can conjole and I can, I can twist and I can try to argue, but here's what I've understand. Here's what, how I've been raised and how I understand this. Um, no one has ever convinced me by words and me hearing them define it in such a way that, oh, you know, that makes total sense to me now. I've heard it, I've wrestled with it, and it's that God voice that says, you see, I want you to keep wrestling with this, John. I tell college students this all the time because I don't care who we are in our lives. Sometimes at some point this happens, but especially when I see a lot of students come into uh, Regent or any college, they're 18, 19, 20 years old, and now they're not at home anymore, and they start realizing, I've got to believe what I believe because I believe it. Not because my mom and dad said, you will believe this. You know, I was raised in church. I was in a drug program most of my life. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning, 
drug the church on Sunday night and drug the church on Wednesday night, right? Um, I was told what you will believe. Well, pastor, that's brainwashing. Absolutely. It is. That's why we started a school here. We plan on brainwashing children. Because if we don't teach them what to believe, the world will. Parents, don't, don't ever underestimate what your child is learning because I've talked to too many parents who have made statements like, well, we want them to make their own decisions. They are going to make their own decisions. But it's going to be built on a foundation that's taught them when they're children. Um, but at some point in my life, I had to say, wait a minute, do I believe this because my mom and dad just said this is true? Or have I seen it? Have I experienced it? See, the same challenge exists for us today. No matter your age, quite honestly, this can happen when you're 18 or 40. This can happen, uh, you know, when you're 25 or, or 56. If we're not careful, we stop listening to the word. And we stop listening to the voice of God that's wanting us to wrestle. Why? Because it's going to cost you everything. It will cost you everything. Um, there's no light gospel. There's a cross involved. He died on the cross for our sins, and then he asked us to pick our cross up and follow him. Now, what does that mean? That means Luke goes on now to read the book, write the book of Acts because... When Jesus is with us, that's one thing. You know, some of us, uh, you ever think, man, I wish I could have lived back then? Um, well, sure. And, you know, we already have eternal life through Jesus Christ, so you are going to get to experience Jesus. But the reality is, if we lived back then, you would have been with Jesus at one place at one time. And Jesus kept telling his disciples, listen, it's important that I go. Wait, don't go. Uh, we're, we, we feel a lot safer with you here. But Jesus said, no, listen, at the end of Luke, he says, listen, it's important that I go. I'm sorry, the end of John. It's important that I go because if I don't go, the comforter can't come. And if the comforter doesn't come, you're in trouble. Why? Because the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit leads us in every area of our life, not just how to sing on Sunday. Somebody say amen. Not just should I raise my hands or should I say amen or am I allowed to do anything? No, listen, this isn't about what you're allowed to do or what you're not allowed to do. There needs to be order. Please understand. My whole concern in my life at this point at 59 years old is are you living it? You know, I used to be all hung up just to make sure people attend. You can bring in a dancing bear and people will attend. But are people living a changed life? I'm not trying to be silly when I say this. Acts, I'm trying to walk through Acts this year because I want us to see that as a church that's walked through a very difficult two years and our society and our culture, and yes, quite honestly, even the world is trying to decide what a new normal looks like. How about they see the real church? How about they see a church in action, not an institution? How about if they saw a movement, not a building? What would happen if they saw the power of God, not, not people just proclaiming to have a power? Now, let's, let's just talk about this for a few minutes because I'm setting this up. So don't, don't even jump over to chapter 2 yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, don't even jump to verse 12. What this simply tells us this morning is that Luke was trying to get us to understand Jesus is real. His resurrection was real. But now that we move to Acts, it's a continuation. Because after the ascension, Jesus is no longer with us. So let's read this. Let's, let's look into this for a few moments. He says, if volume one is about all that Jesus began to do and teach, the implication is the book that we're about to read is a continuation and that we're supposed to be living this. So listen to what verse 2 says. Until the day when he was taken up, the ascension, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Some would say up to 500 people. 
were able to see and experience Jesus after the resurrection. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. That He's just reminding them, you've heard me say this before. Wait, there's a promise coming. The power is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? <clears throat> we still get caught up in that, don't we? Lord, what exactly are, are you doing? Thank you for the information, Father. But can you explain, you know, when is this going to happen and when is this going to happen and how is this going to happen? Lord, what are you doing? You know, sometimes when you ask the Lord what he's doing, I almost believe he's thinking the same thing. What exactly are you doing? You want to know what I'm doing? I'm just trying to get you to do what I've already told you to be doing. Well, that sounds a little bit bossy. He is God. I'm just throwing that out there. He is the creator. Um, I, I know I was the same way, but there's something that just sort of gets me about every generation. We, we're, we've all been like this. It just has gotten worse. Just throwing that out there. You know, because when I was a teenager, my dad was not the sharpest person I knew, right? Authority over me, older people, you know, the real old people, anybody over the age of 30, did not know what they were doing in life. I wish they would just move on quickly and let me take charge. And it took me till I was about 35 to realize that my dad was the smartest man I knew. And now that I'm 59, I get to talk to a lot of young people who I already know what they're thinking. Because they think the same thing we've all thought at times. And that, that's why sometimes I come across a little bit, um, you know, everybody says, if you want to be an in incredible communicator, be a good listener. When I already think I know what someone's thinking, I just go ahead and communicate sometimes. A lot of people don't listen, but I'm telling you right now, we, live, we have a generation around us that is hungry for truth, but we're afraid to tell them. And, and all he's saying here is, I, I'm asking you to do something, and you're, you're still worried about when I'm going to set my kingdom up. And he just tells them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Um, whenever you hear someone read the Word of God, especially when it's pre-recorded, whether on tape, you know, they have that English accent or that King James feel, and Jesus never seems to be angry. Jesus never has any emotion, it seems. I just can't wait to get to heaven and ask Jesus to remind us of some of these conversations, because I know how he's had to speak to me occasionally. I can't imagine that Jesus looks at them. I almost want to feel like he says that he wants to say, Father, am I dealing with this again? Are they really that simple? Are they really that slow? But Jesus is nice. What Jesus says is, don't worry about that. You're worried about the wrong thing. Am I making sense? Don't worry about that. That is not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went, and behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Now, <clears throat> a couple things, and I just want to just break this down very quickly. Jesus has just now in Acts, this first part of Acts, um, finished his earthly ministry. Death, burial, and resurrection. Luke tells us he gives the di disciples this final wording. And then he ascends. He's gone. They're gazing. Two angels appear and basically say, stop stargazing and just believe what he said. 
stop, stop hoping and start believing in what he said. Now, that's powerful because he, he's asked them to do a couple of things. And there's three simple things as we lay some groundwork for our study in Acts. Because I, I want you to feel this because it's not about being a lesson. I don't want this to be a lesson in Acts. I don't want this to be the first day of our study of Acts. We don't need to study Acts anymore. We need to live it. You know, the best way to learn how to ride a bicycle is to get on a bicycle. You can read all about it. You can even YouTube ride a bicycle. But until you get on it, you're not riding a bicycle. We can read about Acts. We can study Acts. We could do a word shirts on Acts. We could write papers on Acts. But until we live it out, you're not acting. Amen? So I, I don't want to insult anyone. I'm not against study, but I think a lot of times we do a lot of intellectual exercises, but no practical living. So how is God still at work today? Well, first of all, he's, he's at work through us as a movement. We need to be a movement that's in action. So what does he do? Number one, he gives us power. He empowers us to do it. What does he say here? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He tells them to go and what? Wait. <clears throat> the number one problem with our world right now is nobody wants to wait. Now, I know you've heard every illustration possible about this, so I'm not going to prolong this. Uh, you know, we, we live in a culture that, that you can stick something in a microwave, and there you go. Uh, we have cars now that you don't even hear them, and there they go electric cars, electric whatever, and I mean, things just happen instantaneously, and that's how we want our lives to be lived spiritually. We want, we want to be able to experience everything around us, the, the comforts of everything around us, the things that we all want, and we're all human, so this is about not making anyone feel embarrassed about their personal shortcomings, because somebody say it with me, we all got them. We're all sinners, saved by grace. So what, what am I saying? What does weight really need to look like right now for us? If I really believe that God wants to empower us, that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended to the Father, and he's coming again, but until he comes again, we're on a mission, and we are a movement, and we are empowered to do that, what does that look like to wait? Because even after... Even after being filled with the Spirit, are there seasons of waiting? Um, let me just give you a very simple illustration of what waiting looks like. Um, serving. When you go into a restaurant, who approaches your table? A waiter or a waitress. Uh, so what are you, what are you saying? Well, and I shared this with the prayer in prayer this morning. Have you ever walked into a, a, a place and just received lousy service? Right? And, and not, you, you might explain a little bit differently, but I, you know, there's been times we've been at a restaurant or we've been somewhere, and the person taking your order, the, their whole waiting definition should be waiting on you, listening to you, making sure that what you want is being dealt with, but they're paying attention to 18 different things, and they hear you, but they don't hear you, or they write something down, and they didn't write the right thing down, and, and they're not paying attention to you at all, and you're thinking, this is terrible service. Um, I think sometimes for us to wait on him is basically to live a life of service to him. To just live a life of, I don't know what I'm called to do. You know, my dad, um, when I was much younger, and he shared this a lot with my brothers. We joke about it all the time. But my dad would always say this. He would come up to us and say, hey, what do you want to do? Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what I want to do yet. Well, until you know what you want to do, just do what you're told. Now, get over there and get it done. You know, that'll help you find out what you want to do real quick. And that's, that's how... That's how you sort of live by. Some of us are still walking around in our lives, you know, I'm just I'm trying to figure out what my calling is. 
Well, if you don't know, just do what you're told right now. Hello? Somebody say amen. I don't like when people tell me what to do. That's your first problem God's going to help you with right there. It's not about somebody being your boss. It's are we willing to be led? And, and so what am I ser- talking about serving? I'm not talking about please help us with being an usher in church. Listen, we all need to be a part of somehow making sure Sundays are a great experience, not only for us as we worship God, for anybody that visits. We want them to experience the presence and the power of God and create an environment that does. And then the word goes forth and we pray that lives be changed. But it's also when I leave here today, how will I treat the person at the restaurant? How, how will I treat my spouse? How will I treat my children? What's going to happen tomorrow when I go to work and find out the person that I depend on called in and they tested positive and I was around them all day Friday, now I'm off, right? What, what's going to happen when the unexpected happens? He goes, guess where we're supposed to live this life? Out there, not in here. Am I making sense? It, it's not about, see, we all worship wonderfully on Sunday. We all worship wonderfully on Sunday. But I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm almost afraid sometimes God leaves our services thinking, man, that was a lousy service. Not because the music wasn't good, but it's if we're not really listening to him, we've not been a very good waiter. If, if we've not really been listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit, um, we can say we're waiting, we're just not doing it. But now, how, how do we overcome that? Guys, I promise you, he wants to fill you with power that can help you overcome the things that you can't even believe you'll be able to overcome. And I'm not just talking about a temptation. It may be a temptation you're wrestling with. He can help you overcome that. And, and don't beat yourself up with it if it doesn't happen overnight. Why? Because we walk by grace. We walk in his grace by faith. So it's not about us suddenly becoming perfect. It's about us maturing in him and understanding he's given us power to take this, what does he want us to do? He wants us to be witnesses. That's, that's sort of the, the underlying plan here. You see, the power he gives us, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Father promises us, he wants to empower us to do what he's calling us to do. John says, but when the helper comes, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will bear witness that you should not be made to stumble. You will suffer not a very popular point. You will suffer. There's going to be tough days. How many when you got saved were hoping all the suffering was done? Now, this doesn't mean that God's looking for ways to make us suffer. This means we just live in a, a broken world, guys. We live in a broken world that could care less about what we've got to say, but God's proclaiming us to live it out anyway. Live it out anyway. And when you're living it out, are people going to appreciate it? No. Are, are you going to face the consequence? Possibly. Because he wouldn't tell us that we're going to suffer unless he was also reminding us, I'm going to give you power that no matter what you face, you're an overcomer. You will suffer, but believe me, these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. I was in your presence. But it's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. And I send him to you. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And he will glorify me. Now, why? Because God is still at work. And he wants to use us in our everyday lives. He wants to use us even in the simplest of things. Now, I'm not... You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to share a story with you, but I'm tempted not to because it's not about me, okay? It's just weird ways that God uses to get my attention. Uh, you know, we, we recently started a school, and I mean, honestly, God's blessing us like crazy. And, but one of the, one of the things that, that Pastor Nick and... Amanda and the other administrators, one of the things we knew we were going to have to wrestle through to keep the trust of the parents is the daycare that we also uh, have to move those kindergartners and first graders here 
to start the process of building the grades here, they would have to trust the transportation. Because a lot of those parents were very, uh, very forceful in telling us, no one has ever driven my child anywhere. I've, I've been the only driver in my child's life. That's huge. It's a little weird, but that's huge. Okay? Um, and my child's never been on a bus. So the first thing we had to do is, now we're using a van. Okay? But guess who the bus driver is? Hmm. Now listen, I, I don't mind, I'm just being transparent, because Nick and I joke about this a lot. Uh, it's, it's Nick and I for, the, for a season, because we want the parents to trust So what does that mean? I've got to believe that the Holy Spirit's empowering me enough to be able to put 12 children in booster seats that don't always want to be in booster seats. And I can't say what I'm thinking because they're not my children. I certainly can't do what I would do to my own children. But what I can do is, and I mean, I've got them singing. I know wheels on the bus go round and round. I know all 76 verses. But now there's a part of me, and here's what I'm saying. Here's a part of me that I was like, man, you're 59 years old, Dr. McLeod, driving a van full of kindergartners and first graders. Wow. You've made it. <laughs> this needs to go on your resume, buddy. I hope your son's not seeing this, John, because, I mean, the devil's throwing all kind of weird stuff at me. Because he's like, man, if your son saw you now, he would just be like, wow, Dad, you've really made it. But what God keeps telling me is, you know, you keep talking about wanting to see every generation transformed. You keep, you know, you, you, you know why you started the school. You didn't know you were going to drive the bus at first, but that's why I didn't tell you. Can I just say this? Maybe God, maybe there's some things that you're doing right now that you don't appreciate. God's trying to prove that he can empower you to do the things that you don't even think you're supposed to be doing to move you to a level that you would have never been able to get to on your own. Because the, the worst thing that can happen to us is if we do get to a level that we're not prepared for. And see, um, God doesn't need to give us a school with 200 children if we can't transport 10. And if I don't have the patience to love on 10 babies in a van, the first time a bus driver gets upset, I'm not going to understand his frustration. My, my, and I know that, that might sound like, well, Pastor, we all learn from things. Yeah, I'm just trying to tell you pride will get in the way if you're not careful. And the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you through every scenario you'll ever face, but you just got to be willing to go there. Am I making sense? Why? Because it's not about power to have great altar service. That's how I used to think. When I was raised in ministry, you were nobody. If you didn't have a big altar service at the end, and everybody came down and got prayed, and then they said, man, he is awesome. But then I came to the sudden realization that God was never talking about me as the he. In him we live and move and have our being. It's got to be about Jesus or we, or we lose the battle. And so it, it's more about knowing that I'm empowered to live this life, not just to have church on Sunday, but to drive a bus on Monday if I need to. And, and if it's not driving a bus on Monday, it's meeting with people that, that I would have never gone out of my way to meet, but because God allowed us to cross paths, I'm going to sit down with people that nobody else will sit down with, and I'll have those kind of conversations. I've got to be willing to spend time because why? God, God moves in mysterious ways. And see, it might be in a conversation that you never planned on having that the next open door is going to take place in your life. And this isn't about getting rich. This isn't about having fame and fortune. This is about taking the kingdom of God where it doesn't exist. And you say, well, Pastor, we live in America. Everybody knows about God around here. That's the whole problem. 
Everybody knows about him. They've just not experienced him. And I'm not, I'm not slamming churches. I'm just speaking for us, Grace River. The one thing, and I've told you this many times, but just I'm throwing this in for a lot of our visitors right now. Here's what COVID did. It stopped us in our tracks so God could show us everything that's not working. Because, you know, uh, our reach team, we, we talk about this a lot. We do a lot of trash pickup on independent or on uh, Lynn Haven out here because we're trying to minister to the community. And the first couple times we started advertising that, I'm like, wait a minute. There's no trash on Lynn Haven. What are you talking about picking up trash on Lynn Haven? Because when you're driving 75 miles an hour, I'm sorry, 35 miles an hour on Lynn Haven, you won't see trash. If your eyes are on the road, you don't see trash. But go out there and walk. Go out there and walk. The first time we walked, I think we came back with seven or eight bags full of trash. Why? Because when you slow down enough, when you listen to God and you start obeying God and you slow down enough to follow him, you're going to start seeing things that you realize, wow, we've been doing church for 15 years and we've been missing that. We've got all these programs that mean nothing. Because now we're just trying to get people to attend programs rather than experience life. I, am I making sense? So here's, here's what happens. Um, God, show us the things that we need to be doing. And they may be simple or they may be profound or they may be small or they may be great. They need great vision. That's the, the school's birthed out of that. Now, I'm saying that because not only does he empower us, you got to be willing to go where he wants to use the power. Because it's all about taking the church to the world. That, that's really all it's about. It's how did this move of God get where it was to where it was going. And the book of Acts shows us this. But then secondly, it's the purpose. Acts is also unparalleled as it recounts every stage in church history because it shows us a blueprint of what needs to happen when the church isn't on track. Now, I hate to say that the church has been off track before. I know I've already mentioned that this morning. But believe me, you can look throughout church history and see many times when the church has gotten off track. When it gets institutionalized, when man gets so involved that he puts God in a corner and does his own thing, there's plenty of excuses, plenty of reasons, and we've, in our own way, lived them all. But here's what the purpose is. It's to provide a way for a new community that's got to figure out how to live and how to act like Christ. What has God instructed us to do? Where is the kingdom? Where does it need to be? How will they respond to persecution and pressure? What is the future of God's people? How do they live under the rule of where they're living? Right? How do we exist in the culture we're existing in? Listen, God wants to use us powerfully. It's not about huddling and hiding and hoping nobody finds out that we're vac you know, we got a vaccine or we got the shot or we didn't get the shot or who's got COVID and, and where's John? I don't know. I'm not about hiding out and playing political games. It's is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives so much that if something happens to you this week, they're going to see God. If something happens to me this week, they're going to see Jesus. My light's going to shine so bright that even if I'm persecuted, even if I'm made fun of, even if I'm laughed out. Now, can I just be honest with you? The devil's a good devil. Because I know that no one in this room, if you're ever persecuted, immediately says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I wasn't expecting this to happen, but, you know, I feel good about it. I've never done it that way. It's when I feel that anger rising up, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I've got a choice right now. I'm, I'm going to choose to let this be who I am, or I'm going to choose to remember to be who he says I am. Who are you? Who, are, who am I following? Who am I empowered by? Am I making sense? <clears throat> it's so we can accomplish what can't be accomplished on our own. It's so miracles can take place. And listen, I'm not, I'm not even suggesting to you everything that happens in the book of Acts is going to happen next Sunday. What I am suggesting to you is miracles still happen. 
they just don't always show up like you think because, you know, it's amazing. When we want to do miracles the way we think we want miracles done, that usually means we could have done it. Or it means we just want God to do something we're not willing to do. Don't be quiet on me now. I want God, God, straighten out my finances, Father, without me changing my spending habits. I need a miracle. You probably will need a miracle because if you don't change your spending habits, you're just going to be more in debt if God did give you what you needed. But, but the miracle isn't necessarily that God gives you a, a landslide envelope out of the mail or somebody deposits a bunch of money into your bank account. The miracle could be that after about six months, you've started managing your finances in such a way that your bills are all paid off within a year. And you look back and say, Man, when I turned my life to God and I surrendered that and I gave my life to him and I started really following him, we're debt-free right now. Oh, come on, pastor, who's debt-free in this world? Really? You can be. There's a lot of stuff you don't need. I know I'm on a different message right now. Who wants me to get back to Acts? Here's, Here's what he's saying. He's empowered us. Why? Because the plan is for us to go make a difference. The plan is for us to be witnesses of Jesus. And listen, of what it looks like when Jesus is in your life. What does it look like when Jesus is in your home? What does it look like when Jesus is in your life? And and please, we're talking about the book of Acts, but it's all encompassing. A lot of us get a little timid right there because we know we're not perfect. And we start thinking things like, man, I just wish I could have, I wish I could take that back last week. I wish I could have taken back last month. I wish I, I wish I could have raised 20 years ago. I wish I, I wish I would have, should have, could have. Um, stop beating yourself up. Listen to the words of Paul. Um, it is by grace. You are saved. Not works. If it was works, you would brag on it. But because it's grace, he gets the glory. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake this week. It just means if you make if you make a mistake, just say, God, I'm still working on that. Forgive me. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because we've got to start acting like God is empowering us. Well, now I feel like a hypocrite. Get over it. You're not a hypocrite. You're a sinner. Saved by grace. But yeah, but now the people I work with, they know know, know I've messed up a couple times, and they keep saying, man, stop, stop. You know, I don't even want to hear about that stuff. I see how you live. Well, I'm not the man I used to be. But you did it yesterday. I know, and today's today. I didn't say you weren't going to look silly. You know, some of us, am I making any sense? Some of us, we bring that on ourselves. You know what? Walk right through it. Walk right through it. Stop listening to what people are saying and start listening to what God is saying. Because I'm, I promise you, somebody at work is going to listen and see that kind of boldness, and they're gonna, they are going to say at the right time, at the right place, we don't always get to decide when that is, I want what they have. They're bold even when they mess up. I need that kind of boldness. Not to mess up more, but to, to prove Christ is more. I want to prove that even when I'm not what I should be, God is always what he said he was. And see, it doesn't give us permission to do the wrong thing. It gives us the boldness to move in the right way, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I, I, I just want to encourage you. I know that this year, and I believe through this series of us moving into what God has called us, I'm already seeing, I don't know if it's sons and daughters or brothers or sisters or neighbors. I don't know who it may be. I don't even know if you could put your finger on it right now, but I'll guarantee there are people in your circles that are going to be impacted by the life you start to live by allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to lead your life. I believe it. And it becomes good pressure on us, but there's a, pre- there's a difference between pressure and anxiety. Anxiety is fear because of the pressure, uh, but but just good pressure means you're, you're walking under some weight. It's called the glory of the Lord. It's called the presence of God. 
and it's almost, it gives you a boldness that says, you know what, I can face all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like a little toddler who walks in a room full of kids, but he knows if his dad is standing right there, he's not afraid. You know, I'm, I'm old enough now to not have to be the biggest guy in the room. I'm working on that. But I, I don't have to be the biggest personality in the room. I don't have to be the biggest know-it-all because if he's with me, I'll never add up. I can trust him. I can lean on him. And I can lean on him in spite of whatever I'm facing. That, that's why it's not about just here at the service. It's about when we leave this place, the church moves forward in powerful ways. And then lastly, very quickly, it's really pretty simple that the plan is you. You're the plan. There's power. The purpose is for God's kingdom to move forward, not just in the four walls, but around the city, around this world. And you're the plan. You're the plan. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's a continuation of his kingdom. It's a continuation of his work. Have you, and we'll, we'll close, have you resigned to the fact or resolved, like we talked about last week, have you maybe resolved that, all right, I'm giving my life to Christ? I don't, I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not talking about checking your brains at the door. What I am saying is whoever has given their life to Christ will never be able to tell you they've all, all got it figured out. Uh, if if you're waiting until you can figure it all out, uh, you'll, you'll never figure it all out, I promise you. It's a step of faith. But that step of faith opens a door that when you start to grow, and it's a process, you never stop growing. When you stop to grow, when you start to grow, the Holy Spirit, is, is he'll just start speaking to you. And I, I know that may sound weird to some of you, but how many know what I'm talking about? And, and when he does, just listen and maybe in a small group maybe in the grace group that that we're starting in a few weeks and i encourage you to be a part of that don't be a lone ranger um if you can't be in a grace group get with people because when god is speaking to you and you're studying the word um if god starts sharing with you to do certain things run that by a few people please because if you're if you've got good close friends They'll, they'll tell you if it's God or if it's pizza. But I encourage you, get in a grace group. Get where you're hearing the word and being challenged to walk it out. Why? Because God has a plan for you, and you are the plan. The book of Acts just basically shows us, here's what this looks like lived out. Here's what the, the church looked like when it first began. Here's how a church looks like when when it's starting. Here's how the church looks like when it's empowered. Here's what life change looks like as people just live their everyday lives in the kingdom of God. Amen? So ha have you committed that? Have you maybe wrestled with the whole power thing and been afraid, you know, maybe your motives for wanting power? Or maybe been afraid that when you give your life to Christ and you say, fill me with your power, that now you are subject to God suddenly coming on you and you shaking out of control in Walmart. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Um, I mean, you may want to scream at Walmart, but not for the right reasons. I'm talking about living a surrendered life that when God speaks to you, you're willing to go there. It may be in a conversation. It may be in a phone call. It may just be a, a relationship that you need to ask forgiveness or it doesn't matter. Go there. Watch how God heals. Watch how God directs. Watch how God gives new direction. Let's stand. Father, we come to you today humbly because in many cases we are reminded at how easy it is for us to miss the mark. But, Lord, it's not about judging us. It's not about calling us out. It's about bringing us home. It's about 
reintroducing us to the fact that you're still at work in the world around us. You've given us the power, and you've reminded us this morning in a very small way as we start this incredible journey that we are the plan. It's not about just learning about what you did. It's, it's watching you do with us what you desire to do. And so, Father, I pray for every individual here, God, that you, you just speak to their spirit, pique their interest, touch their hearts, but more importantly, Lord, help us not to be institutionalized. Don't let us get comfortable. Don't let us just fall back in a seat or fall back in a spiritual position and want someone else to do all the work. Let us be a part of a movement that is thriving and changing lives and situations are being literally changed in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes because the church is moving forward. Now, Lord, we pray for this. Do it as you see fit. And Lord, we just give you praise for every conversation that takes place when we leave this building. Father, for every relationship, for every family, again, touch those that are sick. But God, lead and guide us today that we can see literally your Holy Spirit at work in our lives in a very unique, special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. We love you. See you next week. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.